Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful host, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Hi, kings and queens. Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. And today we have an amazing guest speaker that's going to join us in just a few. Uh, she's going to be giving us all the gems in regards to um, relationships with a narcissist and just giving us um, the tools that you need to know about uh, an empathist uh, personality or a narcissist trait. Before we get into that, I'm going to give you a little bit about her um, and what she does. She's a survivor of childhood abuse. Dr. Rita Louise has emerged as a gifted empath and talented clairvoyant medical initiative. Uh, she is a naturopathic physician and the founder of the Institute of Applied Energe Energetics that trains students in the art of medical and intuition, intuitive counseling and energy medicine, and former host of Just Energy Radio. She's an author of six, six books and produced several feature length and short films. Dr. Rita has appeared on radio, televisions, and movies as she's lectured. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Rita. It's such a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I just love being out there and helping to raise people's awareness of what's going on with them so that they can learn and grow and become magnificent people. So I want to congratulate you ladies for everything that you're doing to help support growth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get into the good things about today's topic, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? How was your life growing up? <laughs> Not good. How's that? Um, I mean, the family that I grew up with, as my sister would say, you know, our parents put the fun and dysfunctional. Um, it was a pretty toxic household. There was um, abuse, not sexual abuse, but abuse. There was a lot of neglect that went on. Um, I have seven brothers and sisters. And so there was just a lot of us. And the dynamics were just, you know, my parents didn't make a lot of money. And so there was just a lot of stuff all going on at the same time. And... You know, it, it just wasn't a healthy, nurturing environment. You know, it, it definitely was not Brady Bunch type moments happening in our house. Um, you know, and so because I know we, we have finite time, so I'm going to kind of put this part in here, too. Okay. You know, so one of the things that, um, you know, because we're going to be talking about empaths and narcissists, you know, and one of the things that happened, and this was just um, a couple of years ago was I ended a relationship with a gentleman who was, I'm going to say, very narcissistic, like probably clinically narcissistic. Okay. And, um, you know, because there's a, there's a gradient, you know, you can have some traits or you can be clinically defined as being a narcissist. And not that he was ever diagnosed, but he was not good. How's mm. that? And when I got rid of him, I really sat down and started looking at my life and looking at my past relationships. And what I realized is that most of the relationships that I had in my life, both romantic and friend relationships were fairly narcissistic in nature. And that went all the way back to my childhood. And I came to the realization that many people that end up in toxic relationships come from homes, of abuse, of neglect, and they grow up not knowing, they, they don't know what good looks like. That's the way I like to say it. They don't know what good looks like. 
And so they just are recreating what they know. And, you know, so they're looking for Mr. Right. And it's like, okay, well, that guy is bad. I'm going to go look for somebody else. And they get into that relationship and that guy's bad too. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that what they really need to do is look at themselves and heal themselves so that when they enter into another relationship, they can go into it healed and find the happiness that they've been looking for their whole lives. Mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Can you explain um, how childhood uh, trauma can affect relationships as you grow up? Sure. So when we grow up, um, when we're born, I'll start here. When we're born, okay. we're an empty slate, you know? Okay. And so anything that happens to us gets recorded within us. And the things that we're taught as being true or how we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to behave, um, are programmed into us. You know, before the show, I was mentioning I got a new dog, a little baby puppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he is a peeing fool. I mean, just everywhere, you know, it's so now I'm spending my energy in training him that the good thing to do is to go outside. So when we're young, especially before eight years old, our parents are teaching us this is what right looks like. But if your parents view or the way that they treat you or interact with you is not healthy and loving, then you're going to grow up thinking that this is what love looks like, you know. Mm it's okay for you to yell at me because you still love me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so it just kind of recreates that pattern. And if you are the victim, one of the things that also happens is that there's something called people pleasing. Are you Mm -hmm. familiar with that concept? Yes. You know, and so one of the ways that as children, you learn to avoid getting in more trouble is to acquiesce to the abuser, to the parent. And so you grow up and now you find people that look for that trait in you, you know, Mm -hmm. and usually those people are again, narcissistic or abusive people. And so you just keep perpetuating it. Mm. So how do you transition from that cycle like how do you actually um what steps do you have to take in order to heal from a toxic childhood or even an environment of um toxicity well and i think you know one of the first steps um is to acknowledge you know that there was an impact that happened in your childhood um you know one of the things that i kind of whine about I'll go with that word, Um, (laughs) is that, you know, what happened happened to me a million years ago, and I didn't realize that that had so much impact on my life, Mm -hmm. or else I maybe would have tried to change it and not have gone through, I mean, I've been married four times, I've had a bunch, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gone through all of that because I would have had the opportunity to address it. You know, usually with people that get into toxic relationships or abusive relationships, they really have big issues about Mm self-worth. They have big issues around self-esteem. They don't understand what, you know, how to have and maintain boundaries around issues. And so, you know, because they're too invested in taking care of their partner, that they would just, it's easier to just go off and deal with the hurt versus express what you feel and and have the possibility of your partner being mad at you. But again, that's a pattern that children do with their parents. Mm. You know, that just gets, you know, you just keep doing the same patterns. And so part of it also is to start looking, if you're in a relationship, look at those patterns that you have and what can you do to change them if you're finding that it's not working for you. Okay. Can you um, explain the difference between an empath and a narcissistic personality? I sure can. 
So an empath, so anybody can get into an abusive relationship, right. you know, and anybody can get involved with a narcissist. Um, okay. But it just seems like people that tend to have empathic abilities or that are empathic are more prone. And I'll get into that in a little more detail. Okay. Um, so an empath is someone who is very sensitive to their environment. And so, um, you know, if you walked into a room and you kind of felt the vibes, you know, or you walk up to a friend and you can just feel, you know, mm -hmm. just feel that they're hurting. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're probably empathic. You know, my, my, uh, one of my favorite ones, if Walmart is your nemesis, and you can make it in there about 15 minutes and then it's like gotta go gotta go gotta go you're probably an empath uh, <laughs> you know because you can go from like hey i'm in a good mood i'm having a happy day blah 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 and you can go into an environment and within minutes find your mood changing and now you're getting upset and you don't really understand what's going on. And it's not that anything happened to you. It's because you've absorbed like a sponge, the mm -hmm. energy in the room. And now you're owning it. Like, well, I'm upset, but nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Empath, mm. you know, you know, and I have a lot of people go, well, how do you turn it off? And it's like, mm. You can't send you, you know, it's just, uh, it's just who you are. You're just more sensitive, you know? Yeah. Um, and there are coping skills that you can learn and work with. Um, but I think the most important thing is to recognize, I'm real big about like being aware of stuff, aware recognize of that mm -hmm. this is who I am and this is how my body responds. Like, you know, my Walmart example, I have to go in with the list or I don't buy anything that I go in there for. And seriously. But you buy a lot. No, usually I walk out with like three or four things and maybe one thing is on the list and I just can't get out of there fast enough. But, you know, but sometimes, I mean, I live in a small town, so sometimes Walmart is where you have to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um you know, so you can learn some coping strategies to help navigate the world easier or better. A narcissist, you know, oh, and then an empath has empathy for people. You know, they feel other people's feelings. And so if you're hurting on the inside, it's not that I just can relate to it. It's like I can feel it in my body. I feel your pain in my body or your emotions in my body. A narcissist, on the other hand, you know, one of the biggest characteristics of them is that they lack empathy, you know, and um, they tend to be very self-serving individuals. And, you know, depending on where they are on the scale, um, you know, we all are narcissistic in a certain way. You know, we want what we want. And mm -hmm. then depending on how flexible you can be with working with other people kind of determines how narcissistic you are. But if it's, mm -hmm. I want what I want, and I'm only going to get what I want. And if I'm not going to get what I want, then I'm going to either get angry about it, get passive aggressive about it, try to control or manipulate you so I can get what I want, you know, mm -hmm. because you have to think of the five-year-old that you tell them, you know, you can't get the candy bar at the line in the supermarket and they have the hissy fit and they're screaming and yelling. And then the parent, instead of just like letting them cry and going, come on, we're going, gives them the candy bar, mm -hmm. you know, because they're used to their programming. Unlike someone who is more empathic, is that they're always going to get their way. Right. You know, so, um, you know, and I know this is a women's show. We're more focused toward women, but, you know, women can be narcissists as well. You know, I tend to talk about it in a he pronoun because um, all of mine have been men. So, <laughs> um, you know, but, but you can have friends that are narcissists that are, 
friends, you know, not romantic, or it could be family members who, you know, they want what they want and they don't care that it might be hurting you or bothering you or creating any impact in your world at all because it's about them mm -hmm. period can we elaborate a little bit on women that are narcissists give us some ideas or um, some examples that show that a woman is definitely a narcissist i mean they're pretty much the same it's interesting as i was doing this research i mean i was i was researching for myself you know mm -hmm. when i started down this path i was researching for myself because it was like I was whacked up the side of the head. I was just blown away at how uh, oblivious I was to this whole thing going on my whole life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so, you know, I am kind of a geeky research kind of gal. So that was the first thing I did was start researching. And it's interesting because narcissists literally have what I call a playbook. You know, and there are things that they do in a very consistent order. And as I'm doing this research, I'm like reading this thing, you know, like um, gaslighting or mm -hmm. love bombing, you know, or some of the things that they'll do. And I'm reading it and I'm going and I'm thinking of my relationship. And then I'm going, there's even a word for this behavior because they are so consistent. Mm. You know, so whether it's a man or whether it's a woman, they are very consistent. You know, so a woman, you know, you might see her as like the ultimate diva, you know, that again, only wants what she wants. And if she, you're mm -hmm. not giving her what she wants, she's just going to throw you away like a moistened towel. Wow. You know, but one of the things about narcissists is that they need to have what's called supply. They need to have energy supply. So are you guys familiar, are your listeners familiar with the concept of an energy vampire? Have you guys ever talked about that? I've never heard that. How about no. you? You've never heard that? No, no. let's talk oh. about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, so an vampire energy... sucking. I mean, that's sucking the energy out of someone. I'm assuming. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That sounds like something. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, and so people that are energy vampires are usually narcissists. So um, think about that friend that you have that calls you up or for some reason you call them up and you're on the phone with them, but they don't stop talking. Okay. All right. I'll just share this story. So I had this girlfriend. And she would call me up at eight o'clock in the morning and, and then talk for an hour, maybe longer, you know, and you would try to get up, but, and you don't say anything at all. Mm. And so then I met this, she started dating this guy who I fell in love with because of how he acted. And he goes, oh yeah, I put the phone down and go wash the dishes and then pick it up and go, uh-huh, really? And then go vacuum and then just do whatever I want. But that personality is an energy vampire. They're just mm. taking your energy or the people that like ask you to do favors, but don't really return them ever. Mm. You know, there's not that reciprocation. You know, they tend to be energy vampires. And so narcissists are the ultimate energy vampires and they need to have this energy supply. So whether it's they're getting attention from someone Okay. And whether they are um, controlling and manipulating someone, you know, because bad attention is better than no attention at all. Mm -hmm. You know, so if there's if you're screaming at them because they have made you crazy, um, they're still getting attention. Right. You know, and so. If you get rid of a, a, a narcissist, one of the things that they'll do or like you're having a fight with them they'll go and find someone else to text or to have a date with because they need to have that supply to keep them invigorated. I mean, it's wow. You know, so again, men and women, you know, I think you tend to see it more in men, but it is definitely not absent in women at all. And can you elaborate on the gaslighting? I've heard that, heard that um, saying before. Mm -hmm. uh, 
is that typically like the vampire one or is that something different? No, it's totally different. So when somebody is gaslighting, they are saying things that aren't, that they're, it's just lies. And they say it and then you call them on the lie and they go, well, I wasn't lying, mm-hmm. you know, and it makes you crazy. So mm-hmm. as an example, true, true story, cross my heart, hope to die. <laughs> So I had a pair of shoes that were sitting on the stairs to go up. Okay. And, um, and so I go, and they were, all right, they were there for a while. And so I go downstairs and one of the shoes is missing. And I'm like, where's my shoe? So this was the crazy boyfriend. I'm like, where's my shoe? And he was like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, one, I would never take just one shoe upstairs. He goes, well, maybe Bitsy, the dog. So I had another small dog. I'm like, the dog didn't take the damn shoe. Right. You know, so I'm looking all around and looking under furniture and looking and looking and looking. No shoe. Literally no shoe. Keep asking him. Keep asking him. I don't know where your shoe is. Six months later, I'm dusting. But this bookcase in a room that I don't really ever use. And I'm taking all the picture down and dusting the pictures. And behind the pictures in the bookcase is my shoe. Wow. Yeah, see, I see your face. It's like, <laughs> what? Huh? Yeah. And, and they do stuff like that. You know, like that was just one example, you know, but they'll do stuff and then claim that they didn't do it, even though you know they did it, Mm -hmm. but you kind of can't prove Prove it, it, you know, (laughs) and you're like, oh, just tell the truth. What did you do with my keys? You know, how did we get a hole in the screen since you were the only one out here? I don't know. I'm like, come on, just freaking fess up. I didn't do it. Makes you crazy, mm, okay. you know, and, and that's their goal is to make you start doubting your own sanity, mm. you know, so they might start a fight and then turn around and say, oh, well, you're the one that started it. It's like, mm, no, no, yes, you did. They're not good. I mean, you know, again, we all have some narcissistic traits, you know, there right. are times where we want what we want. And then there are people that are like way out on the other end of the spectrum that are not healthy, you know, but they come off, you know, one of the things is with a narcissist, well, yeah, I mean, I I mentioned that word love bombing, you know, Mm -hmm. so when you first meet a narcissist, they are like the best thing. They love what you want, love. They're all into you. They want to spend like all this time with you on the phone and they want to see you all the time that, you know, and they give you the impression that they dig you and they are all about you. Wow. Until (laughs) you, they get you into a position where you can't get out anymore. Mm. You know, you move in together you know, ex-husband, narcissist, not as bad as crazy guy. He started, he didn't, he didn't start showing his true colors until after we moved in together. I bought a house where he wanted to live with his kids. And then a month later, he started changing. So one wow. of my husbands who I really loved and he wasn't a narcissist, he was married to five narcissists. Okay. So he would be the person to ask about the women one because he was married to five, but he's dead now. So I can't tell you. Uh, but his comment, when we got married, he goes, well, I'm waiting. And I'm like, what are you waiting for? He goes, I'm waiting for you to change. And I'm like, wow. What do you mean change? He goes, it happened every time. As soon as they said, I do, they change. And I'm like, dude, this is, (laughs) this is it. I'm like one size fits all. You know, and he was kind of shocked and still waited quite a while for me to change. And I just was shocked back. But, you know, that. Yeah, so they just like entice you and bait you in because now you're this really good supply. 
And then if you do something that they don't like or you disagree with them or you're not, they're not on a platform for you anymore, you know, life starts getting in the way. You have a kid, you know, your attention gets focused on work or whatever, then they start to change and you start seeing the person behind the mask. And mm. that can be, you know, anywhere on that spectrum. Wow. Can you um give us like any trigger points? What really make what really triggers a narcissist? See, narcissists, I mean, this is just how they think of things. It's not that they're triggered in one way or another. Okay. You know, this is just how they see the world and mm, okay. you know. I mean, it's not like they're getting angry. Okay. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. just, this is how they, they see things like, well, I'm entitled to doing this or, okay. okay so let's see. I'm, I, I have so many freaking stories. I'm like thinking, which one? So <laughs> husband that changed after we moved in together. Well, apparently he didn't like really doing anything. You know, so he kept getting let go from jobs. And so I'm in school full time. I'm working, you know, I'm doing my medical intuitive business. And um, and then there are his kids that I'm also raising. And he would sit there and play text twist every day and didn't clean the house, didn't do anything. And my biggest peeve was he wouldn't mow the yard. Mm -hmm. And I would sit there and it's like, well, mow the yard, mow the yard, mow the yard. Well, he would only do, and this is very narcissistic, what he wanted to do. Wow. You know, so if he felt like cooking dinner, he would cook dinner. Okay. But he didn't want to mow the yard. But like Psycho Guy, he really liked doing gardening. So I had like a pristine yard. <laughs> Edged and plants everywhere. I mean, that was okay. And I'm like, and I have a big yard. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, but you're doing that. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> but you know, but it's it's what do I want and how do I want it and them. and that's it. You know, so it's not a trigger thing. It's just how they view the world because it's what about me? It's always about them. Gotcha. Always yeah. about them. Now, is a narcissist can is that something that a person is is turned into, or do you feel as though a person is born um, with that trait? That's a great question. You know, medical experts, I'll say that, you know, believe that there is a genetic component mm. to narcissism, especially the really severe forms of narcissism. Um, I think that, you know, there's a definite nurture point in it, you know, that something happens to them. I, you know, I think that they also experience a definite level of trauma, you know, so where, all right, and I need to back this up. So okay. you can be an empath, but usually it's the wounded empaths that get involved with the narcissist, you know, the ones that have that people pleasing or maybe codependent behavior because they need, they need to feel loved. They, they feel their partner's stuff. You know, mm -hmm. they get all of this great attention at the beginning. Like, well, this is a great guy. I'm, I'm like, I'm, it's happening, mm -hmm. you know, and then it all changes. And then they can't really get out of it because mm -hmm. they don't have boundary skills. Okay. Mm, that's a good um, one. And so, um, you know, but with the narcissist, I mean, there is, they also experience trauma. You know, and usually that's where their emotional development ends. Okay. You know, and so in order to look good or be good, they put on these masks of this is how I act when I'm out in public. And this is how I act when I'm home. I mean, you hear stories of, you know, and I'm going to use women again, of uh, couples, you know, families where, you know, it's the preacher you know, and his mm -hmm. family and they're out in public and he's a great guy and, you know, everyone loves him and he helps everybody. But then he goes home and beats his wife. 
Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and so it's just this facade they right. put on so that this is what people think of them. And then there's who they really are, which is not the same. You know, and one of the reasons why, you know, people stay with them, you know, the unhealed empaths stay with them is they keep waiting for that guy. They, well, there's the change that too, <laughs> but, but they keep waiting for that guy they fell in love with to mm. come back. Wow. You know, I mean, if you think about it and there are, countless stories of women that are physically abused, you know, and they're beaten up and then their partner or husband or whatever will come and be like, Oh, I didn't mean to do that. You know, mm -hmm. I won't do it again. I'll go to counseling. And it's like, rah, 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 rah. you know, but they don't, they don't go to counseling. They will do it again, you know, but when they're in that phase, when they're in that, like, Oh, I didn't mean to do it. The person they fell in love with, the love bomber guy, mm -hmm. comes back. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. And yeah. You know, so it so it's not the guy with the jerk behind the mask that mm -hmm. treats you like crap. It's that, oh wait, look, I brought you flowers. Oh, let's go to dinner. Oh, I love you so much. You know, so it's that fake person that comes back. And so they have this hope that that person will return and stay mm. because that's who they fell in love with. That's and good. This is who they're stuck with. And so they get, <laughs> they get that person periodically, you know, but just not all the time. And one of the things that happens, which was kind of shocking to me to find out, is when you're in that dynamic, something happens that's called trauma bonding, trauma okay. bonding. And so it, there, it, it actually creates a psychological, physiological change in you where your hormones get totally messed up. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in that bad period where, you know, they're just doing whatever they want and you're feeling wounded or they beat you or whatever their behavior is. It's like you're running on stress hormones. You're walking around on eggshells. You're living on cortisol and you know, you're just not a happy camper, mm -hmm. not a happy camper. Mm -hmm. But then something happens and it changes around and you're like, no, I want to leave. And now you got Mr. Lovey Dovey back again. Well, it changes your hormones from cortisol to things like dopamine, which is the feel good hormone in the body. Mm. So you get this really big high, mm. really big high, you know, and so some people have likened ending a really narcissistic relationship to because of the trauma bonding to being harder than quitting heroin. Wow. Now that is intense. You know, because they take you through this emotional roller coaster. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's draining. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. You, everything, you're just like, I'm just taking all this in and it's just like bringing back a lot of stuff in, in a past relationship. So it's like, wow. Um, but, but and let me just ask you the question. So as I'm talking, you're like starting to see this pattern. Yep. Same thing. Unfolding yeah. in your mind. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it is. It is. It, not it, not it, even being with your husband, like the things that you're talking about, I'm like, same exact thing. Yeah. It's a different person, but the same mm -hmm. exact characteristic. Yeah. It just, it just like, it just goes back and you just, it, it just, it may, it's just like when you're just speaking and it's just like, makes you go back and think like, wow, like that's that person. Everything she's just mentioning is the exact person. It's that exact person. And it's just like, wow. And, and like you said earlier, where, you know, like you want to stay, you want to go and then all your emotions are everywhere. And I is, Wow. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a movie. So where the term gaslighting came from was actually mm -hmm. from a movie called Gaslighting, which mm -hmm. I just saw 
few months ago, fairly recent. And so I have a new boyfriend who's a great guy who's not a narcissist, although he makes me crazy. But <laughs> you know, but I call him on it. So because I'm healing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so we're watching the movie and I go, oh well, he's gonna do something like this. And I would just make some commentary, and then the next thing would happen, he would do something like that. It's predictable. I'm like, predictable. Wow. I'm like, they got a playbook and they just kind of mm-hmm. go down the list and that's what they do. <laughs> And he was like, did you see this movie before? And I'm like, it's just what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, as for as an empath, can an empath uh, change a narcissist? No, they can just run away as mm-hmm. fast as they possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I do want to make a comment here. So people that are empaths or possibly people pleasers or have codependent tendencies, sometimes you can actually meet another one and form a relationship. And it's like, wow, you're doing the dishes, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. or you are doing this stuff and contributing, but the other person's a people pleaser. So they're always going to be like doing stuff because that's what they're used to doing. And you're used to doing stuff because that's what you're used to doing. Um, you can get those two personalities together and because of what you're used to within yourself, it can actually transform that relationship from one person being the people pleaser and the other person taking on the narcissistic role. Because that's what's comfortable for you. That's Mm. what you're used to. You know, and so I just want to put it out there that, you know, if there's anyone that's listening or watching or whatever um, that has had that situation, then, you know, perhaps they weren't really a narcissist, but, you know, you just never spoke up. You never had boundaries and you just gave them the latitude to do whatever they wanted. And they did. And now you're complaining about it. I mean, we all seek our, you know, we all seek equilibrium. Right. You know, and so in that kind of a situation, you know, that's where the equilibrium falls out. Mm, That's real good. Mm. For an empath, how, all right. So if they typically get into a narcissistic relationship without any boundaries, without, you know, really knowing their self, how do they, how did they escape from dating or having an ongoing cycle of dating narcissistic men or women mm-hmm. in that case and like where is their trigger at where is their trigger at like no this is the same as the last person i can't do this again like <laughs> you know where where's their breaking point <laughs> no i that's a great question you know so i think one of the biggest pieces is if you're realizing that this has been your pattern that maybe it's not 100% the person that you're dating or looking to date, that there's something going on within you that you need to work on, working on boundaries, working on those patterns that you don't want to recreate Mm -hmm. again. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a woman, Lisa Romano, and her comment was, and I love this phrase, and so I'm totally giving her credit, that um, it's not that a narcissist won't be attracted to you, It's just that you won't keep them very long, Mm. you know? And so if there's some guy that is just coming onto you really strong, you know, and like wants to marry you like within a week, heard it, seen it, you know, (laughs) wants to move in right away, you know, that might be a red flag. Mm. Um, If you challenge them, to something, then it might be a red flag. If you suggest, well, maybe we could go do this and they dish you right away, yeah. that might be a red flag, you know? And so just really paying attention. Now, one of the things that I learned through my own journey was that things would happen and I just really never learned what right looks like. You know, and so I've had to unwind my understanding of what is good and what is healthy or, you know, he'll do something and I, I freak out, Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
you know, and then have to kind of take a step back and go, well, you know, okay, he was being a little bit selfish or he was being a jerk, but, you know, in the preponderance of evidence, you know, it's not all of the time, you know, because if I say, hey, you know, I need for you to do this, you know, he, he gets on it. Okay. Okay. The marriage in a week, that was crazy. That yeah. Was like, <laughs> yeah, I would I, My face was like, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, there are on Facebook. I'm we're on Facebook. There are a number of really great groups. Uh, like there's a empath and empath seeking help from narcissistic abuse. There, but there's a lot of groups that are just wonderful people that I belong to, so I can speak for them. You know, from personal experience. You know, and so it, it's really good because people will go, "All right, so I, I'm having this conversation with this guy I just met, and." Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure. What do you think? You know, and, and people are usually pretty upfront, you know, in supporting people as they work through this journey of healing, because it is a journey. It's not a, you know, I read a book or, you know, because it's really changing fundamentally who you are mm -hmm. and why you're there. You know, there's, there's a reason why people stay in abusive relationships, you know, and it's not because they're there because they, they like the view and the abuse, you know, <laughs> but there's something within them. And so, mm -hmm. and that's a process of making behavioral changes, making mental changes, you know, that are critical to right. healing. Mm -hmm. Especially but yeah, you, but there are a lot, you know, but there are a lot of women. It's like, oh, well, you know, I finally got rid of my narc and, you know, he's already living with someone and it's been a week. And they're posting Facebook pictures, you know, and it's like, they're doing all this stuff that I wish he would do with me. It's like, no, he's mm. just love bombing her, mm. you know, and he'll go back to being his crappy self, self, <laughs> you know, after a little while. <laughs> mm, that makes wow. a good point. Yeah, it does. He's going to basically suck her dry like he did to the other one. So yeah well and then if she's not giving him what he wants he might circle back and try to get back with his last one mm. you know because they like to kind of keep little claws in unless they know the door is solidly shut and then they maybe will move on you know okay wow there's a word for that too and it's just like <laughs> god they got words for everything <laughs> Um, at any point, is it even, even possible to even create some type of healthy relationship at all with an arc? So dealing with a narcissist is like dealing with an alcoholic, you know, okay. it's either you accept this is who they are and this is what my life is going to be like with them. You know, which is walking around on eggshells and pretty much unhappy all mm -hmm. the time. <laughs> or, or you go, you know, but it really is more about accepting because a narcissist isn't wrong and there's not anything wrong with them. If there's any issues, they're your issues. And so you can fix yourself, but there's not anything wrong with me. And so even if you try to get them to go to counseling, either they will find things wrong with the counselor and they won't want to go, or they gaslight the heck out of the counselor and turn the counselor against you. On you. Mm, wow. That's a good one. You know, and now the counselor is over there like, oh, well, they're so pitiful and you're, you're just so evil. <laughs> I'm controlling. I was told you're controlling. It was like, okay. Why? Because I didn't want a filthy house and I wanted you to mow the freaking lawn so that the dog can see over the grass. <laughs> no lie. No lie. <laughs> that makes me controlling. Mm. Mm -hmm. They play okay. the victim. I get it. Big yeah. time. Mm -hmm. You know, and they will, you know, lambash a counselor, you know, so... I would recommend if anyone is concerned about it and they go to couples counseling that if that, that you get your own counselor separate. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
You know, sometimes the counselor can nail in on the narcissist and be like, nah, 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 you're playing the game. You know, but a lot of them, I went to a marriage counselor with my husband and I became the person who was bad. Mm. And it was like, okay, so you're not even really hearing both sides. Right. You're just taking his side because obviously I'm an evil controlling, grass cutting kind of gal. Mm. <laughs> wow. That's deep. Uh, thus, thus the run comment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything um you would like to add or mention that wasn't covered um this evening? Um I mean I we covered a lot of material. I mean, I it think is. this was really good. Um you know, I think the biggest thing that I want to put out there is if anyone that's listening to the show has found themselves in a situation like this or multiple situations like this, um, you know, and especially the multiple mm -hmm. situations, you know, because right. we can all get taken in by a narcissist with their games, you know, mm -hmm. but if this is your pattern of you're just giving everything up to someone who really isn't reciprocating, um, you know, there's hope. You know, this doesn't have to be your life and you can find happiness down the road, but it really, again, requires that you take a really deep look in that mirror and work to heal yourself because you mm -hmm. entered the relationship for some reason and you stayed, you know, it's not that you went there, it's that you stayed and what right. made you stay or what in you made it so that you couldn't leave. Mm. Okay. That's real good. Then you can find maybe that happily ever after. Right. It's possible. Right. <laughs> so she's saying run if you see any of these. It's like telling them run until you until you find your happiness. Run, <laughs> run. Just keep running until you find it. <laughs> Well, you know, and that's the part that is just so hard is because they come off as just so wonderful. Charmers, right. At mm. first, you know, and um, and the worst ones to me. Okay, so I think most people, you know, if you have, you know, the football player and he's yay, yay, rah, rah, and I'm like the most important person on the planet, you know, we all recognize those guys as being narcissistic mm -hmm. and it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, what a jerk. You know, we, we know it. Mm -hmm. It's it's what's called the covert or the, the quiet narcissist. You know, they tend to have, mm -hmm. uh, they tend to be a bit more self-deprecating. They tend mm -hmm. to be softer. You know, they talk nice, you know, and you can, you know, you're not dealing with this overt external personality because they're more introverted in mm. nature. And those are the sneaky The ones. killers. <laughs> you know? Well, because you just don't realize. I mean, if you're with someone that is really grandiose, you know, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> but it's them, you know, like preacher people that are just kind and loving that, you know, why would you think that they were going to be awful people? Mm -hmm. Why would you mm -hmm. think that? Yeah. Not saying bad about preachers, so... But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Can you speak on your book and on your resources? So my book, I even have a copy here. I don't know if it'll, hey, it actually like shows up right. Oh, it's called okay. The Dysfunctional Dance of the Empath and Narcissist. And, um, it's available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, it's in Kindle, and it's available on my webpage, soulhealer.com. Um, if you get it off my webpage, all books that you buy from me directly are uh, all autographed versus okay. you know, getting them from Amazon or whatever. You know, and one of the other things that I want to share is, I mean, on my webpage, there are a ton, tons of articles and information um, in a wide variety of topics. And I'm mm. saying that 
from alternative health to UFOs. How's that? <laughs> a wide variety of topics. Um, but one of the things that I've been working on is a article series regarding healing trauma, you know, okay. and um, because that really is what we're talking about here is people that get into these, repeatedly get into these relationships have early childhood trauma, you know, mm -hmm. and are carrying that trauma forward into their relationships. So right. I'm about halfway through the article series. Um, they're on the webpage if you just look through the articles under relationships. Um, but you can also sign up for my newsletter on the webpage, soulhealer.com, and um, you'll get the e articles in your emails. And there's also links in the newsletter of all the previous articles. Okay. You know, and then once I'm done with that series, I'm doing an article series on relationships. Should Ooh. I stay or should I go? Am I, I happy that. or am I just comfortable? Mm. You know, and helping people to just get insights into what it's like to be happy in a relationship. And if you're not, then what? Okay. That's real good. That is. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for your input and for your story. And hopefully someone takes heed to uh, everything you said this evening. And we have one question we ask all our guest speakers. Okay. What makes you uncommon? What makes me, <laughs> there's not really a whole lot common about me, girl. <laughs> you know, I feel like I walk to the beat of my own drum. And, um, you know, I do a lot of interviews and people that talk to me, they're like, how do you know so much stuff? You know, because I mean, I literally, you know, so there's our conversation. I would make the assumption that you thought I spoke with a educated and convincing manner. Yeah. You know, but I can talk about psychic abilities. I can talk about energy medicine. I can talk about ancient mysteries and mythology with all the same level of competency because I can, because I read dry books and enjoy it, you know? <laughs> and so I, I think it just kind of blows people away that, you know, I'm able to cover a whole range of topics and bring them to the table and make them be palatable for people to learn and grow and educate themselves. Mm. Mm, that's okay. good. That's good. Um, thank you once again, Dr. Rita, and thank you for our followers for listening and for listening in. Um, check out our merchandise at www.uncommonwomen.net. If you have any topics and any potential speakers, again, you can go back into the website. Um, also, I want to speak on our self-love seminar, which is on May 22nd at 11 a.m. Tickets are $15. And if you attend you will get a nice, special little gift from us and Common Women. And um, next week's episode will be recorded on Thursday, the 22nd at 6 p.m. Eastern on happiness. And also subscribe to YouTube and follow us. Don't forget and stay on Common. Bye. <laughs>